Well, good morning, Crossroads. Just uh, great to be here with you this morning. Um, it's uh, just been fun sharing and, and uh, talking to people. Everybody's got um, their personal stories coming into this weekend, visitors and people on vacation. Um, not, all, um, not all fun. They're, they're there are those of us who have been suffering from, from COVID and other things. Um, there's a Gospel Coalition Women's Conference, uh, uh, Father's Day, so many things. It's been a joy for me to uh, get into the Word um, and to be preparing and just uh, chewing uh, uh, with this, um, at the Scripture all, all week. Um, could you turn with me to the book of Colossians? As I was uh, getting into and uh, preparing um, and considering this, uh, this passage, it's kind of neat uh, part of the, the book. We are a quarter of the way through uh, this letter, and it's been a, a joy to, uh, um, to prepare, to sit, and to, um, uh, to hear uh, uh, about this, this letter. Um, Paul is writing to uh, the Colossians. And as he goes, as he goes in through chapter one, um, he is uh, praying for them with with these deep, rich prayers for uh, their growth and in, in, in praise to God. He um, uh, talks about Christ and um, shares just uh, and just elevates uh, uh, sharing about who Christ is, and then prays for them more. Talks about how they are reconciled. Uh, to God through uh, Jesus and through his death. And and then we get to verse 24 in chapter 1, and um, he goes goes personal. He's been praying, he's been talking about Jesus and and who he is, and then now he gets uh, personal in this letter. And it's... um, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's important to just sort of pause and consider, wow, why is it that he's getting, um, getting so personal as he shares through this whole section, which is verse 24 all the way through um, uh, today's uh, chapter 2. If we go through um, this, this collection of letters, Colossians goes with uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians. And he does this with, uh, with each of these letters. And so it's interesting uh, if you sort of flip through, in, in Galatians, he writes to that church, and he um, is sharing with them things about how uh, important it is, what their, what their position is with, with God, and how one is um, justified by faith and, and not by works. And, and he gets personal in, in the middle of, of chapter 2 and talks about how he um, gets in it with, with Peter into this, into this conflict um, but when I saw that their conduct, this is Peter's, was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to, to Cephas, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, this is contrary to, to the gospel, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? And he gets personal and he, and he shares about this um, and, then, and then comes out of that and, and teaches them about this glorious truth that we are justified by, by faith. So there's a connection here with, with being personal. Ephesians, similar to, um, to Colossians, uh, chapter 3, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So he's, he's a prisoner. And then verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Suffering, similar to what Parker preached on uh, last week. Um, he's, he's suffering for this uh, church, uh, uh, for the Ephesian church. 
And in, in sharing this, he launches into the, the next verses in Ephesians 3, and we know these really well. Um, Praise for them, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. I'm sure you know this, um, uh, this passage. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and depth and height and uh, length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness to God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. This, this glorious prayer to, um, that he offers up to God for the Ephesians, and it comes right out of this uh, personal uh, sharing. Uh, Philippians, uh, it's a wonderful letter of encouragement. You know, he's encouraging this church in, in uh, Philippi. And in chapter 3, it gets personal. Uh, we actually sung a little bit about this. He talks about his uh, life before he became a Christian and how he um, persecuted Christians, uh, how he was a Pharisee, how he was anti-Christ. Anti, uh, and in all this, uh, he counts everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of, worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. He considers all that a loss. Just imagine this, um, this opening up personally to the church at Philippi. And then from there, um, and we, we sung about this too, just talks about how he presses on to make it um, uh, his own. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on toward the, uh, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is this wonderful encouragement, and, and that connects to um, how he gets personal with, uh, with the church. So here we are in Colossians. Uh, verses uh, 24 in chapter 1 through um, chapter 2, verse 5. It gets really personal here. Uh, Parker talked about this last week, rejoicing in his sufferings for your sake, and then how he cares and strives for their maturity. Verse 29, toiling and struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Um, Paul is in this uh, in, in a real personal way with, um, with the church at uh, Colossae. And then we get to uh, chapter 2. So Paul gets personal in his letters. And, and you might wonder and consider why is it that he does that. And, and we'll um, get to that in this passage. Maybe a point of application even before, we, even before we jump in. You know, we're all involved in ministry. We're all involved in fellowship with each other. Uh, we have um, all the, everything going on in, in Sunday morning with um, uh, the worship team and children's ministries, the nursery setup crew. We have everybody up, upstairs here. Um, you have small groups, women's ministries, men's ministries. We came out of this uh, Gospel Coalition conference. And in all this, uh, there may be people that you care for and are ministering to, people that you just want to reach out and, uh, and share with them. And it's, it's going to be important to pray, and it's going to be important to, um, to bring in Jesus, because that's, that's what it's all about. But it's, it's vitally important that we get personal with each other. You know, God has uh, placed something in each of you in your personal stories, how you've come to Christ, what you're working through and struggling with. And God can use that in reaching out to others, as, as he's done with, uh, with Paul here in his life. And you can tell that Paul is, is doing that with his uh, churches.
All right, so um, uh, let's uh, continue in, in our passage. Um, uh, let's read chapter 1, verse... Um, let's go all the way back to verse 24, but to read uh, all the way through chapter 2, uh, verse 5. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known as the mystery, uh, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Verse 1, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. We're going to uh, kind of camp out in these first few verses as we go through um, uh, this passage. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for, the, and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So he is struggling. He's struggling for um, this church uh, at Colossae, for a neighboring church, and for those who haven't even um, met him. So what, what does that mean, that he's struggling for these people, maybe that he hasn't even met? He's probably uh, praying for them. He's probably praying for them. If you uh, look over to um, chapter 4, verse 12, one of, uh, his, one of his friends, Epaphras, who is also one of their own, uh, from Colossae, in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Always struggling in his prayers. What does that? What does that mean? Do you know what it means to struggle in your prayers? You might take a moment and consider if you have those. If you have those that you that you really care about, it might be your um, your parents, it might be your kids, uh, it might be your brothers and sisters, um, colleagues, coworkers, people that that don't know. That don't know Christ, uh, people that are going through something and they're struggling uh, with something, and, and you're praying for them, and it, get, it gets real, doesn't it? Because um, of what's at stake, you're struggling in your prayers for them. You're lifting, you're lifting these people up to to God, and and then it just hits you that 
Um, here is the God of the universe who you're talking to in prayer. And if anybody can answer prayer, it's that person that you're talking to. And there's a lot at stake. And so you're struggling in, in your, your prayers. That's what we, we see uh, Epaphras doing, and that's what we see um, uh, Paul doing. So he's, um, he's struggling uh, for them. Uh, how else is he struggling? And we heard a little bit about this from Parker last week. He's struggling, uh, if you kind of um, float back to verse uh, uh, 28, 29, he's struggling, he's toiling. Part of this is um, teaching and, and warning, admonishing, struggling in his, uh, in his teaching. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting and encouraging to come before you and to be uh, preaching um, and sharing with you this passage. Um, and as, as, as exciting as it is and as um, fun as it is to be spending time in the Word, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because this is more than um, just something academic. These aren't just... Uh, um, this isn't just someone's letter that, that we're talking about. This is God's word, and this is God's communication to, uh, between Paul to this church at Colossae. And so it's a struggle to consider, wow, what is it that um, God might want you to um, hear this morning? Is, is, am I getting in the way of what God wants to share? It's a struggle to, to, to discern and to, and to prepare and to consider um, uh, what it is to share. It's a, it's a struggle because uh, there's, there's temptations abound in ministry, aren't there? Um, we just talked about prayer. It's a, it's a temptation not to pray. In terms of um, uh, teaching and preaching, it's, uh, there's a temptation to stand up here in the, the pride of being up here and, and to, that I get to do something special here or that somehow this is a, a holy thing to do. That's, that's a horrible temptation and, and a sin to fall into. Or uh, a temptation that, um, that there is nothing to share and um, that I just am incapable of, of delivering this word to you. That, that's, a, that's a horrible um, temptation too. It's a struggle, this is a struggle uh, 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 that Paul has in his ministry to the Colossians. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17, uh, the, the writer there um, uh, shares that leaders are to give an account. 13, uh, 17. Obey your leaders, submit to them uh, for their keeping. Watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. It's a, it's a joy to share this morning. Um, and, uh, uh, and as we see, it's a joy for Paul to be writing to the Colossians. But we are going to be standing in, uh, in account to God for uh, the ministry that we have uh, with each other. That's a serious thing. And so out of that... There's, a, there's this struggle that we have. It's a, it's a good one, though. It's a good struggle because um, it's God that is working within us, isn't it? If you uh, go back to verse 29, 
For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's God that's doing this. Um, it's God's energy. God's doing the work. It's God's power uh, working um, in Paul in us. And that's a, that's a comforting thing. I'm going to make an aside here. If, if you are um, a physicist or an engineer uh, or a scientist, I hope this verse is, um, uh, can be one of your favorite verses. Um, the, 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 if you go into uh, the words in this, in this passage, I mean, you can tell that, that God knows exactly what he's doing. He, he, he authored everything that we know um, about science. And uh, it's, it's God's energy. What's energy? It's the capacity to do work, right? It's God that's doing that work with the energy that he gives us. And he does it powerfully. The word there uh, it has, a, has a dynamic connotation. Again, just back to um, who we are as scientists. But it's God that's doing that dynamically in us. So if it's God's energy and God is doing the work and he's doing this powerfully, how, um, how can we lose hope? So we still struggle. And Paul is struggling. Uh, but he's doing this with uh, full... Uh, confidence that God is going to make this happen in the Colossians uh, here. Verse 1. Uh, verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. There's a lot to, uh, to unpack here, and this gives you more of a sense of um, Paul's uh, goals in, in ministry. We, again, we, we heard a little bit about this um, last week, uh, presenting everyone mature in Christ in verse 28. And so there's a, there's a connection there. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. That their uh, hearts may be encouraged. This is not just a uh, sort of a superficial, you know, emotional um, uh, uh, uplifting here. Um, it's it's encouragement down to to the person, down to the soul. That their hearts may be encouraged. The hearts. That's a. Um, uh, uh, it has a sense of um, in, in the Greek culture, in Jewish culture of the deepest part of the person, of just who a person is, that their hearts may be encouraged. If you go to uh, Ezekiel uh, 36, um, it gives you a sense of, of uh, how the heart is considered. And in that passage, um, we, we, hear, we, we read about how God... Um, in verse 24, wants to take them from the nations and gather them from all the countries, bring them into their own land, to sprinkle clean water on them so that they would be clean from all their uncleanness. And then from their idols, uh, he, will, he wants to cleanse them. And then uh, verse uh, 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
It's a wonderful passage. Um, it's, it's essentially uh, the gospel. It's about how God just desires for his people to know him and, and to, to be cleansed from their sin and delivered from their sin. And in doing that, he's going to give them new hearts and he's going to work through his Holy Spirit uh, in them. It's, it's this heart that we're talking about, the same one that God desires to renew in us, that, that Paul seeks uh, the Colossians to be encouraged. It's, it's that deep. He wants them to be encouraged. If you uh, drift down to um, Colossians 4, uh, 8, another, another friend is Tychicus. Tychicus, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and how he may encourage your hearts. There's a there's a uh, an important vital aspect of ministry which is um, uh, this this um, labor of encouragement. And uh, here it's Tychicus that's um, sent sent to to them so that he may encourage their hearts. It's an interesting note that Paul is um, struggling, uh, doing all these things, praying, teaching, uh, admonishing, and a goal here is that their hearts may be encouraged. So Paul is doing this, and, and then Paul is also sending um, others, um, his, his partners in ministry, his friends like Tychicus, to, uh, to encourage. So it's an interesting uh, aside that we all have a role uh, to play in ministering to each other in this way. It's not just um, pastors and elders. It's, uh, it's something for all of us to uh, engage in. Hearts may be encouraged. And then being knit together in love. I, I, I love this, uh, this sort of visual picture, to be knit together in love. Well, what's interesting about this is... Um, Okay, so Paul desires that they are knit together in love. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a, it's all about unity and how he desires for the Colossian church to be uh, united, uh, united in in love. But but they already are. He's gone through all of chapter one. Uh, he prays for them. Um, he's talking about how uh, they have this hope in in Jesus. Uh, they, that they are united in Christ, um, reconciled to him through his death. So they're united that way. It's um, uh, Jesus that, that holds all things together. He's the head of the body, the church. There's already a sense in which the Colossians are already, already united. So what's uh, going on here when he desires that they are united in love? Well, that, that's how it plays out. Isn't it in in the church? Um, unity uh, shows up; it manifests through um, through love, and that's what Paul uh, seeks here. If you um, uh, drift over to chapter three, verse fourteen, and you know we're we're getting into this uh, deeply personal part of of this letter, and we just came out of this chapter one, we're in chapter two, and this uh, sort of ends the, this personal section until chapter four, and so he's going to spend the rest of chapter two and, and, and then three with, with um, instruction 
But in, in chapter 3, verse 14, he um, pauses and mentions a, a kind of a neat summary statement. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So as we go through and we're, we're learning about Paul sharing and instructing, uh, it, it all gets tied together um, in, in love. So uh, being knit together in love, uh, what is love? We, we know what that is. Um, uh, God tells us all about this. It's love for God. So it's, it's being knit together in uh, the adoration and love that we have for God. And it's also in the love that we have for each other. And that is preferring one another. It is humbling ourselves uh, and, and lifting the other person up. Um, so Paul desires that their hearts may be encouraged and that they're knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. Okay, there's a, a lot to unpack um, uh, here. Uh, riches of full assurance of understanding. There's something um, uh, to be treasured uh, in, in being fully assured, isn't there? Being uh, uh, that, that our assurance is full or that we have full assurance. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to know that we are secure in, um, in Christ. If you go to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 6, the, the writer talks about, um, in uh, verse 11, the writer shares, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Being fully assured. This isn't just um, the awareness and, and um, uh, the, the awareness of who we are in Christ. We, 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 um, uh, it's a wonderful thing to, to know that you are secure in Christ. What if, what if, um, what if you're not? And you, and there's doubts or uncertainty in um, whether we really have that relationship with God, whether we really have this hope. Um, of, of uh, eternal security in him. If there's uncertainty there, that's going to get into the, into the way of, of any relationship, any ministry, any leadership that we're involved in, um, isn't there? If, if we are uh, fully assured, we can, we can stand on that and we can... Um, Struggle and labor and pray for each other and and uh, and work and minister in each other's lives. If if we're not, we're going to spend all of our time um, dealing and, and 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 addressing that uncertainty. If if um, if you are fully assured this morning of of 
who you are in Christ. Well, we're going to get to the rest of this uh, passage. If you're not, the most important thing you can do this morning is is um, turn to the person next to you and, and and just share that with them. Hey, I I am not fully assured. Um, tell me more about. Help me work through this, or, or come to to me or or any of us, uh, Parker uh, elders, any of us afterwards, and let's talk about it. Because um, being assured is is the most important thing um, that um, that you need to uh, to consider. If you um, are fully assured. then that just opens up uh, ministry, doesn't it? It opens up our understanding of, of who God is. As we uh, continue here, full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. It's the same uh, mystery that, that Parker shared about last week, um, that God, in, in, his, um, in his wisdom, has been uh, revealing Christ to us through the ages, Everything in this book is, is about God communicating uh, and telling us who Jesus is. And now it's been revealed. God's mystery is Christ. Uh, earlier in chapter 1, verse 9, Paul desires that they are filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding to walk in a uh, manner worthy of the Lord um, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, knowledge of his will, its knowledge of, of Jesus. Verse 3. Is uh, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is so simple, and then it's so central. So let's not miss this. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, everything that we need for life, for uh, wisdom, for applying what we know to making decisions, to taking action, to doing things, ministry, Everything that we, that we need is in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is in, is in Christ. Turn with me to Psalm 119. And then we'll, we'll jump over to Proverbs. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 162 It's a little, um, it's a short verse. I, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at your word. So we know, we know Jesus, uh, we know Christ through his word. And I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. It's, it's, uh, it's treasure, finding great spoil. It's, it's like treasure. 
and then Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, it's a similar um, connotation there, that you will then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom uh, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the, the paths of peace and watching over the way of his saints. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Don't miss this. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to know Christ, if you seek knowledge and wisdom, you need to seek it like you're seeking for treasure. And just consider, consider what that means. We need to dig and dig deep into the Word to find the treasure that, that God has there in store for us. As much as um, it's wonderful to come to Sunday morning like this, to, to consider God's word, you have you know, five verses uh, this morning, and to learn about where, where we are in um, Paul writing to the Colossians and what that means for us today. Five verses on a Sunday morning, and and listening to to my uh, speaking to you. Um, that's not digging deep, is it? Forty-five minutes, fifty minutes or so on a uh, on a Sunday morning, and then we go home, and then we come back the following Sunday. That's not digging deep. So if I can encourage you this morning. Dig deep and search for the treasures that God has waiting for you to find in the scriptures. Spend time in the word. Meditate on what you, what you find. Consider and, and struggle, labor and toil, and dig deep. As we go through uh, uh, these verses, um, you, you might be asking yourself, or it, it's important to consider, why is Paul um, sharing all this? He's getting deeply personal, as we talked about. Uh, Paul is struggling, he's toiling, he's suffering for the, the Colossians, and I, I think it's, it's pretty clear what he wants uh, for the Colossians. Their hearts are encouraged, knit together in love, um, that they have this full assurance of understanding, that they know Christ. He gives them this um, uh, central, really important um, instruction that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. This, this, is, this is really important. And so why is it that Paul is, is sharing this? I mean, this is not just a simple greeting and, and he's writing to the Colossians um, uh, just so that they can 
be encouraged and, and sort of emotionally lifted up. As as um, you know, we're here this morning listening, and you're a, you're a Colossian in that early church, and, and you're listening to this letter, and you're hearing the words of Paul. Okay, God is telling us about how Paul is praying for us and about Jesus, and then now Paul gets personal. Um, there's a seriousness to to uh, to this, and then we get to the rest of this um, uh, this passage, verse four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. I say this. This it's it's at least this passage probably goes all the way back to uh, verse twenty four. So this is um, he, he he's sharing this personally connecting with them personally, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There's something going on in the church. There's uh, false teaching. There's something going on that Paul is uh, addressing here. And, and Paul seeks to address this with the, the full weight of the truth of who Christ is and how much Paul cares for them and um, and his goals for them in, uh, in ministry. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know, we've been talking about having this uh, assurance and, and knowing Christ. Um, there's, there's so much truth in this first chapter of who Christ is. It's, it's undeniable. And as we consider the, the, the centrality of our, our faith, you know, yeah, we, we, know, we know who Jesus is. He's God. Everything, um, he holds everything together. Everything is created by him and, and for him. We are reconciled to God through Jesus and his death. So we, we, so we know this. There's a, there's a tendency um, in, in, in all of us in, in the church um, to kind of drift to one side or another. There may be a tendency or a temptation to consider, uh, well, maybe not all this truth is important. Well, maybe Jesus isn't God. Maybe maybe not, maybe he doesn't hold everything in his power. Um, or it may be on the other side. Not that there are things that we can take away, but maybe that there are things that we that we can add. Well, this all this um, uh, is centrally important, but maybe we're we're closer to God if we believe these extra things, or if we follow this, or if we live this way. We could be big C Christians, and not just Christians. There's there's a there's a real temptation on either side um, in, in in back in the, in Paul's day and um, uh, today as well. I'm sure you can consider uh, examples. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy about this in chapter in Second uh, Timothy four. He's he's encouraging Timothy. He's calling on him um, and, and, sh- and charging him to, uh, uh, to, to labor as a minister um, of the word. Verse 2, 
uh, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, with complete patience and and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be uh, sober-minded. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. It's not that, it's not that um, there's, there's anything wrong with the centrality of, of uh, what we believe. But having itching ears, there might be a desire to, to give up on, on some things that we believe. Or itching ears, oh, this, this, this is important. Maybe we can add this to who we are as, as Christians. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It, 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 it's, it's really easy to be up here and to consider some um, wonderfully contemporary topic and to uh, tickle your ears um, with, uh, with that. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a place for sharing about current events and uh, current issues, uh, but there's such a temptation to, um, uh, to stray. We'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know, the, uh, the, the antidote for false teaching, it's, it's, it's teaching about the proof of who Christ is and how exclusive he is, isn't it? And then about how and uh, who we are in Christ. Last verse. Uh, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. He's uh, pointing to um, uh, their good order and firmness of faith. But it's easy to miss the first part of this verse. For though I'm absent in body, he's not with them, yet I am with you in spirit. He's saying something uh, really important here of how connected he is uh, with them. Yet I am with you in spirit. Uh, He is a fellow brother in Christ. He is united with them, uh, being reconciled with them. Uh, with God through Jesus and his death, united because he's part of the body and Jesus is the head of the body. He's deeply connected with them and there's, uh, I'm sure, a connotation to the Holy Spirit here. It's the Spirit that binds us together. It's the Holy Spirit that is at work in us. It's the Holy Spirit that's that's, uh, driving Paul with that with God's energy and working in him and and working powerfully through him. It's the Holy Spirit there. It's the Holy Spirit that that uh, gives him the strength to to endure his sufferings and his struggles. It's the Holy Spirit that encourages, that works in our hearts to connect us to Christ. 
to bind us together, to give us that assurance. It's the Holy Spirit that, that illumines and reveals God to us uh, as, as we're pouring uh, into his word. So it's with this that he is with them in spirit. So know that we are connected to each other in spirit. This is, um, this is uh, serious. And then rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Good order and firmness, that's, um, uh, it's got a few ways you can think about that. Uh, an, an easy, convenient one is, is the military sense, where if you are um, in good order, that is the best way to, to approach and, and to, to get into battle, right? To be, to be prepared and to be in good order. If you're, if you're not, then the enemy can, can break through. There's uh, the sense of good order in how God has, has, has placed us in the body of Christ. He's prepared each one of us with roles and, and ways that we connect to the body to be in good order that way. You can think of this uh, if you work at the lab, if you, if you know anything about production or manufacturing or building or writing code. Um, the, the, the greater the quality of what we do in our building, the, the more confident we'll be that whatever we'll, we're building and constructing um, will we'll do what it's supposed to do, will function uh, like it's supposed to. And if, if, we, if we don't, we build to poor quality if, quality. if things aren't in good order, if there are defects or issues in how we're manufacturing things, if there's bugs in our code, we're going to spend all of our time addressing that, and, um, and what we're producing won't function as it's supposed to. Seeing their good order and firmness of, of their faith, faith in Christ. And he rejoices to see their good order and firmness. Don't miss this. Um, this is, it's, it's as if he already sees it. He is rejoicing um, and seeing this. He kind of, uh, he alludes to this in, uh, earlier in chapter 1, uh, verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, and then later on, verse 6, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. They're, the Colossians are in good order, and their faith is, is firm. So Paul is rejoicing and, and seeing this. So bringing all this back, Paul is uh, struggling, he's toiling, he's striving for, um, uh, for their maturity in, in Christ. He's deeply concerned about false teaching and, and desires that they're, they're, they're not deluded by, by these plausible arguments. He's not even with them, but he rejoices. This takes us all the way back to that, that verse 29. It's God that's doing the work, and it's God that's providing his spirit and his power to, towards their maturity. So as Paul writes this, he's got every confidence in um, in, in the Colossians and in God's working in them. I'll make a, a final note and then we'll pray. 
if there's any uh, application that we can draw from this, um, one is that uh, now is the time. Know that, that God is at work in us, and there's a deep desire. God wants us to know Christ and to personally invest in each other's maturity in Christ. And we can do that. We can be encouraged. We can have our hearts um, encouraged. We can be unified in love. We can be fully assured so that we can be in good order and address things like false teaching and, and strive towards maturity. So let's uh, pray, and then we'll um, sing one last time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and Lord, we just uh, come before you in thanks for, um, for who you are, for uh, Paul's writing to the Colossians. As much as it's wonderful to... It is wonderful to um, learn about how Paul prays for the Colossians and how, and the truths that we that we can learn about Jesus, about your Son Jesus, in your Word. It's it's neat that Paul gets personal, and we and we just um, uh, we thank you for making ministry a personal one. We pray, uh, Lord. Um, I pray that you would empower us towards maturity in Jesus. Help us to know you more through your word. Help us to to grow in Christ. And uh, Lord, uh, help us to minister to one another. We pray this in your son's name.